Well, what's going on, everybody? It is Friday Eve, Thursday night, for those who like to keep days of the week tracked. It is episode 61, and tonight we do have the legendary Milt Thompson joining us tonight. He will be with us here momentarily, and if you guys for, have forgotten, which I'm pretty sure no one has if you follow baseball, but Milt was with the Phillies back in the 80s, came back in 93, ended up almost winning it then, but more importantly, he became the hitting coach for the Philadelphia Phillies and became the 2008 World Series hitting coach champion. And we are forever grateful for that because Milt has always been a part of Philadelphia history and we will never forget him as a player and as a person, more importantly. So Milt will be on with us momentarily here. We also, later on in the show, we'll talk about the Tampa Bay collapse, but there will be a game seven with Tampa Bay. Also, the Phillies, boy, they got hammered and maybe Milt can shine some light on what happened with the Phillies fallout come yesterday in that early game? Sixers are on. Atlanta takes game one, and it's uh, incredible what Atlanta has done. But, hey, they moved on. Sixers are out, and that's just the way it works. So, I'm Angel. This is Broad Street South. Let's get the show underway, and we'll see you on the other side. And, of course, the one guy that I cannot do the show without – it is my co-host, Mike Fuji Vito Corleone. You know, I'm telling you, it's going to come up. You dancing in the background. One day, no one expected. That's all right. Fuji, what's going on tonight? Friday Eve, 33 days of the training camp. Sixers eliminated. Phil's blow Tough one yesterday. Mill Thompson here to talk some fills, some baseball. How are you, Angel? I'm doing fantastic. It is the wet weather of the season down here in Tampa. We got all kinds of storms and stuff going on, but hopefully the power doesn't go out so the studio won't go black. So we're hoping that uh, everything will be just fine. But looking out the studio window here, it seems like it's going to be okay, but uh, it's hot. It's hot down here, but it's all right. It's the way it works. And Tampa will win it tomorrow night. Just saying. I will be down there at the minor league game tomorrow night with the uh, Clearwater Threshers. So I'll be down there and then hop, skipping, and jumping over to Tampa to go watch uh, game seven with the fans outside. But we'll see. Should be, uh, should be really interesting. The other person we want to bring on as well is our young beach writer, Nick Lisi, also known as Doug. <laughs> And the Clemson sophomore is in the house. Nick, how are you this evening? I'm uh, up, doing. I'm doing incredible. Uh, like Food said, Friday Eve. I, uh, I'm going to a golf tournament on Saturday. That I'm super, super excited for. And uh, I watched the uh, Ums and the Phils game two nights ago. Uh, put their hands on Max Scherzer's uh, hair, and because Joe Girardi wanted to, and it was just incredible to watch. Yeah, we hope that the Phillies get things turned around because. Joe Girardi, I know he made his complaints with Max Scherzer. That turned out to be a whole different fiasco, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But, oh, boy, we hope that the Phillies get things turned around, and I'm quite sure they will. It's like everything else in Philadelphia. Things need to collapse first before it gets better. But we'll see. We'll discuss it as well later on. And the last guy that we need to introduce here is our national correspondent, Ryan Neff. Well, some may say he looks like Superman, and this is the reason why. <laughs> Keep dancing, buddy. Keep dancing. Oh. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> Who's dancing? I don't know how to dance. 
I got two left. Uh, <laughs> Sixers. <laughs> Phillies. Easy Eagles hater. on the back burner. Easy and the Flyers way on the back burner. That's where the Chicago Blackhawks are. Too. Could we have Milt on tonight to clear up some of the BS that's going on in baseball right now? Maybe he can shed some light. We've got some questions for him tonight. So let's get the ball rolling, fellas. I'm quite sure that he will. And uh, we're going to bring up Milt Thompson right now. But before we bring him on, I figure you know, there's got to be different things that you can end up bringing up. For again, for Milt Thompson, for what he did for the organization, it would be absolutely fantastic. But I want to show this little highlighted clip really quick just to see Milt's reaction here on the other side. Hit in the air to deep left center field. He caught it. Thompson caught the ball. A terrific catch by Milt Thompson, a game saver. Another look. Watch Milt take away a grand slam. That yeah. ball is out That's of here, out of here. Folks, all right. He pulled no. it right back into the ball yard. Terrific job, and Lenny is all over him immediately. Pretty incredible. And as you can see, we have Milt Thompson on with us tonight. Milt, thank you so much for joining the show. We truly do appreciate it. Uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. So thank now you. that highlighted catch. And, Milt, we know you've, we've, <clears throat> we've talked about beforehand, at least amongst the guys, and, and as you're with us here tonight, 13 years in Major League Baseball, and you spend your time with, with Philadelphia, with St. Louis, uh, with L.A., with Colorado, and Houston, and we know that it, it's, it's tough to become a Major League Baseball player, the discipline and the time you have to put into it. Now, I could say, because we are Phillies fans, that we would hope that maybe Philadelphia would be your best team, but we know that may not be a case because you were drafted by Atlanta. So right off the bat, I will ask – in your mind, in your opinion, of course, to share with us, who was the best organization that you ever played for? Oh, man. Why put me on the spot early? Like, that? <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, nine, I can't forget about 93. 93 was such a magical year, and we had such such fun, and it was a great group of guys. And to this day, we still come, come together and have a great time together. So uh, I got to say, I got to say it was the 93 film. And well, listen, speaking about the 93 fills and, and we know we just talked about it before you came on with us and it's, it's kind of painful because yeah, it was, that was a year. It was just almost like the bad news bears to put it in the, in the most polite terms, but it was just a team that was kind of thrown together. The Phillies weren't expected to be where they were in 93 yet. They almost said it except for Joe Carter had other plans, but Bill, I will say if, if Joe Carter did not and Mitch Williams did not give up that home run, like Dutch called a whole different, you know, pitch count for him. But Joe Carter doesn't hit that home run. In my opinion, I believe the Phillies win their next – before 2008, they win the World Series that year. So do you believe that that year would you guys have won if it went to a game seven? If it had it went to a game seven. But the, the real key is um, game four. We were up 14-8. to eight. Right. Going into the top of the eighth inning and, and and blew that game, so that's the that's the crusher right there. We lost that game fifteen fourteen, and yeah. you know then the next day Schilling was lights out, one one nothing. But if we win that game, we go to Toronto up, you know, with a chance to just win it on in game six, which we were winning, <laughs> and right. it was a lot more pressure on those guys. So that I go back to that game. Okay. Well, and again, we appreciate it because it not only the, the one thing I will say, again, just personally myself, 
even though we know that the Phillies had other plans for you, 93-94, went on to your next team, for me it was, I guess, full circle and a blessing that you came back as a hitting coach, the Phillies didn't bring you back, and then you were able to win. Even if you weren't able to win the World Series in 93 as a player, but you were able to win as a hitting coach in that year. So I would like for you to share with us, if you don't mind, in 2008, and I know Jimmy Rollins, you know, he called in the beginning of the year. We were kind of like the team to beat in 07. In 08, he kind of like followed it up the same exact way. You know, we came up short in 07. Phillies win in 08. What was the feeling for you? Knowing that the last out is coming, you are a part of the organization. You're in the clubhouse. What was that feeling when that last out came and then pretty much the euphoria that followed right behind it? Uh, it's it's indescribable. You know, um, it, it was so exciting, you know, to be, be crowned world champions. You know, there's, there's nothing better. And then a couple of days later, you're on a broad street parade with millions of people. I mean, it's, you know, it's breathtaking, you know. The great thing about that is as we were going down Broad Street, people were running down the side streets along Broad Street, and everybody went down to South Philly at the same time. And I've never seen that many people in one place at the same time. And then we went on to the link, and it was crowded, packed with people. Then after we left the link, we went to Citizens Bank, and, of course, that was crowded. So it was just an unbelievable event. You know, I, I wish I know I was home for that one. I was also home as well for the, for the Eagles parade. And you see that sea of red, Milt. And it, it is 1980 when at, at the age of 10, seeing the Phillies win it at the vet and then fast forwarding to 2008 and you get to see it as an adult. You know what? It, how long, first of all, it, it ended up taking to get back there, even after a 93 season. But to get back there and then again to win it all. I mean, it's. It's indescribable, at least for a fan, to be able to see two of your favorite teams win, at least within some span of years. But that sea of red versus that green that was out there for the Eagles, I, I swear, I, I thought I would never see it as a fan that we would ever see the Eagles win a Super Bowl. But again, in 2008, it was just, it was that sea of red and seeing the helicopters, the overhead shot, the people to celebrate all day long. And it's probably the only two times that I can say it in Philly where. People were just happy. They are they are naturally happy. But it, it was an overextended, you know, hey, you know, what's going on, man? Or, you know, what's up, coach? Or, you know, what's new? It's just a feeling of being that World Series champion fan. And in the same way, a Super Bowl champion fan, it, it was just a different euphoria in Philly. But I'm so happy that the Phillies did bring you back and you were able to win that elusive ring with the Phillies. So I thank you for that. Yeah, it was a blast. I mean, to work with that group of guys was incredible. I mean, they, those guys went out every day and just <laughs> just did their thing, man. They 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 refused to lose. I think what happened in 2007 is they got to the playoffs, and that was their first time tasting the playoffs. And we were out before you could blink. You know, Colorado just put it on us. And so we that winter, we had a taste in our mouths that, hey, we get back, we know what to do next time. And that's just what they did. And they, they were on a mission when they went back. They knew just getting to the playoffs is not enough. You got to go compete and win. Well, listen again. It's very we we appreciate it and we hope that the Phillies get back there with Joe Girardi. It, Lord willing, hopefully they'll get back there again. And we'll talk about Joe here a little bit later on. But I want to pass it over to uh, my co-host here, Fuji. No, you played for the '93 Phillies and you were coach on the '08 team. Did, do you see like any similarities compared to when you played? with those guys in 93 as opposed to the 018? 
Uh, no, not really. Um, the most amazing thing about our 93 team, uh, we were very unselfish. You know, we were probably the first team to have three platoons. Nobody, nobody did that. You know, right. I think Baltimore did it with Lowenstein and uh, Renicky. I think that that team did it. But to have three of them and right. you put you put me and Inky's stats together. Incredible. You put Izzy and and West Chamberlain stats together. Great year. And then you put Mar- Mariano Duncan and uh, and Mickey Morandini's stats together. Great year. And the thing was, you know, we we knew our we knew our roles. We knew what we were doing. We knew what we were playing. And it was very unselfish. We just went out and, and won as a team. And that's and that's the thing. Whereas the 2018 just had some studs, you know, right. oh, yeah. out and they played every day. You know, didn't take days off, and they, they were just very very good. They they you know had a game plan and they executed it and. You know, you look at Ledge, the closer, perfect. Come on, man. Right. <laughs> Do, 50, you have a 48 for 48. <laughs> you Would know. you say – oh, go ahead. Would you say as far as playing for Jen Fergosi and being a part of Charlie Manuel's coaching staff, was there any similarities between them? Oh, most definitely. Um, uh, both of them were very relaxed and they let their players play, you know. Only two, only two things: hustle and be on time. That's it. Right. <laughs> Everything else, you just go out and play, and you execute, and you do your thing. Uh, I remember first day in spring training with with Jim. He goes, "Hey, my door is always open, but you might not like what you hear when you come in here." So, <laughs> yeah. totally honest with you. The same thing with Chuck. You know, um, I think one of the coolest things Chuck did was, I think Jimmy didn't run a ball out one time, and he waited until he went out as a musician, and he sent somebody out there to replace him. Right. They, they, you know, if you're going to do that to Jimmy Rollins, it wakes the whole team up. So I think I thought that was a great move. Also, I know you have a pretty, you know, long resume at 13 years. You played with Mike Schmidt, Steve Carl, and Dale Murphy. You played with Ozzie Smith. You played with Jeff Bagwell and Craig Biggio. Is there anybody that stands out as like a Hall of Fame, like one of your favorites that you played with? Oh, no doubt, Smitty. You know, Smitty taught me so much, you know. He's such a great guy. People just don't really know that. Um, And I tell this story all the time, and people look at me like I'm crazy. Um, For three years, my first three years in Philly when I came here, I hit in the same hitting group with Smitty. He did not. I repeat, he did not hit one home run in batting practice. And he hit five, 48. Wow. All he tried to do is hit line drives, hard ground balls, and in the game, the same approach with the velocity on the ball, backspin, see you later. I didn't have – I wasn't gifted with his hands and his power, but I had a lot of balls and gaps just learning from him. That's, uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty interesting pick, Milt. My, uh, my mother was a huge Ozzie Smith fan back in the 80s. She's not a big baseball fan in general, but she remembers that 82 World Series she went to with, uh, with uh, my grandfather. But uh, I want to talk a little bit more about your – playing career. I know the draft, the MLB draft is not necessarily as hyped up as some of the other leagues, but what was, what was your draft story going into the MLB? Well, I was called the day before by the Orioles because I'm from the Washington DC area. Then we moved to Maryland. They called me and told me they were going to draft me, but uh, the Braves got me before, I guess, before they got a chance. So I got a second round pick for, for the Atlanta Braves and, you know, go to spring training and then you find out that you're basically a number. You know, it's like 140, 50 guys down there. And, you know, what do you have to do to show people that you're a good player or, or, or what, what can you do? And 
my thing was nobody nobody was going to outwork me. <laughs> you know, when practice was over, I was still working hard. You know, my my motto was you're never a finished product. You're always working to get better and never satisfied with where you are and what you're doing. Well, that hard work um, paid off uh, while you were in the farm system. And then when you came out of that farm system, you went you went two for three in your debut. And um, your first at-bat, you hit, you hit that double in the fifth inning. Uh, what do you remember from that at-bat? Nerves. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting on the bench and uh, sitting next to Terry Forster, and uh, he was asking me a, a zillion questions. One thing back then, you only spoke when you were spoken to as a rookie. So he just kept on grilling me, asking me about me. And next thing you know, um, they said, okay, um, uh, Milt, you're going to pinch it for uh, Steve Bedrosian. No, not Steve Bedrosian, but oh, what was that? Oh, man, come on. You know. Uh, anyway, the starting pitcher, he said, okay, you're pitch hitting. So right away I, I started panicking. And then I went, okay, calm down. What's your routine? Put your batting gloves on. Go get your helmet, get your bat, get your rosin, everything. Go through your routine and just – that's what happened. I went through my routine and got got a two one pitch I could handle and hit a, hit a double left field and you know the rest is history. <laughs> Bill, I'm gonna get real for just a second. I'm gonna switch it up just a little bit with all the BS that is going on in baseball now with the whole substance thing and you know we're gonna suspend guys if we catch them for whatever it is ten games and what happened with the Astros and then we went through the steroid era. Like, how do you feel about the way baseball has gone, like, the last 20 years? Because to me, if you're going to make a big deal about the substance thing, yet nothing happened to the Astros <laughs> for Sheaton. I mean, not a damn thing. So I don't know what your opinion is on when stuff like this comes up. Former player, you played in a different era in the 80s. But I've always said if people really don't think that throughout the decades guys – haven't really tried to get an advantage in some way. The age-old adage, if you don't get caught, it ain't cheating. I just wanted to get your take on all this. Well, the old, that's the old saying. If, if, you, if, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> you know? yeah. everybody, everybody always looks for an edge. For me, especially today, I don't care about those guys, whatever substance they're using, because I don't want to get hit in the head. <laughs> I want right. to have a grip on the ball. and the ball's got to go across the plate anyway, you know, to hit it. So I don't worry about people pine tar whatever suntan whatever who cares you know um guys have always stole signs and stuff like that it just didn't go to the extreme that that the astros did yeah and you know it's just if the game is the game you know you always you're always working for an edge and trying to find a way now for me even when guys do the signs i didn't want them to give them to me because i was always trying to ready to hit a fastball and adjust from there i did not want to know the signs because if they guess wrong I would be very upset. So I never wanted the signs. I just, just went out and competed. And like I said, be ready to hit a fastball and, and go get it. Um, you know, the game, especially, you know, when they told these guys, okay, come clean and nothing will happen to you. No, that's not the way things can happen because we had, <laughs> we had the evidence. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I, I think those guys got off real easy. And my follow-up would be, Growing up, I'm going to be 53 this year, 70s, 80s baseball guy, and then baseball sorted to lose me in the 90s a little bit. And what do you think baseball really needs to do to try and get back like the fans the way it, you know what I'm talking about, the way it used to be? 
All right. People, <laughs> people are not going to like this answer, but I'm going to give it to you. You know, analytics is part of the game, but you can't sell out to it. Right. You know and, and people people give two people too much information now. You know, I when I was the uh, minor league hitting coordinator for the Reds for the past three years, and their analytic people are telling me that more balls in the air go for hits than balls on the ground. And now everybody's trying to, you know, uppercut the ball and get the ball up in the air. And I'm like, you know, take away the line drives. Focus on balls in the air and see what the average is, you know. But, you know, they don't look at it that way because they just see the paperwork that says, okay, that line drive was in the air and it's a hit. You know, I I just think that we need to just go back to the basics, you know. Nobody can hit and run. Nobody can bunt. Nobody steals bases. You know, it's like, hey, let's just get on base and wait for somebody to hit a ball out the ballpark. I mean, I've seen minor league teams, Cincinnati included, when you get a guy at second base in extra innings and refuse to bunt the guy over. This makes no sense to me. You know, small ball is the way you learn how to play the game. You know, moving the ball, moving, you know, moving the ball around. I don't I don't think shifts would have worked when we played because we could we could handle the bat. <laughs> Right. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because I'm glad the one above me here is listening to you because he's the analytics guy, the one above me. So you hear that, Ducky? I, I, I hear it. How did you use analytics when, when you played? Did you use any, anything like that? Called a notebook. <laughs> I wrote down every pitch the guy threw to me, what pitches they throw. I mean, what? it blows my mind. A new pitcher comes in and they're like, what's this guy's spin rate? Who cares? What pitch does he throw? Fastball, slider, curve, change. That's what I want to know. I don't. I don't care about the spin rate. But guys <laughs> have got. But guys have gotten too technical. You know. I'm just a stupid hitter. I see the ball and I hit it. I don't have time to talk about all this stuff. Right. Yeah. There's a couple of comments uh, that I'm going to read here from the fans, but. Um, Boy, and I just lost the track here when you just talk about analytics and stuff. As far as now, I will say, Milt, for, for me personally, I'm, I'm a fan of old school baseball, just like Ryan is. I don't, I know like AWS from Amazon, they're all into the analytics. They're into like the velocity, you know, how far, how fast, all the good fun stuff. For me, if I'm going to the ballpark, I'm going like I am tomorrow night down with the Clearwater Threshers. I'm more interested about the player themselves. And like you said, it's about small ball. It's the fundamentals because we've seen a couple of games within the last couple of weeks where these guys are getting paid a good amount of money and the small fundamentals they, they tend to forget about. So I'm with you as far as when it comes to small ball. I, I don't – for me, all that stuff about, you know, his velocity, how we threw the ball, you know, if he had this kind of curve and they showed it at the plate, that's all great and fine and wonderful for maybe the younger generation. As far as for old school guys, just play ball. That's all we want to say. Right, because you you think you think Gwyn and Rod Carew and Don Mattingly and Wade Boggs, you think they cared about analytics? Just they studied and they learned, and they were. Just, I mean, Tony Gwynn would laugh at it today if he would look at it. Get that out of here. And that's just my personal opinion. Well, we we were students of the game. These guys aren't students of the game now. You know, I'm sorry. They they're waiting for somebody else to give them the information. Right. You know, I like I said, I had a notebook. I knew what every pitcher was going to try to do to me. And I knew what I was going to do. Um, I, I studied, you know, I was a base dealer. I studied guys, studied their moves, all that stuff. And you don't get me wrong, information is wonderful. Analytic information is wonderful. Now, what was it, about three years ago, I was in the draft room. This is really good. You're going to love this. <laughs> um, they, were, they were talking about uh, two-third basemen. Um, 
and they were back and forth, back and forth. And me, as dumb as I am, I went, can I ask a question? I said, yeah. I said, what do those guys hit with runners in scoring position? If both of them are similar, what do they hit with guys in scoring position? You know what they told me? Don't matter. <laughs> wow. We don't care about wow. that. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, there's two things that, I, that kind of brought to mind here. One is, and I'll get back to Ricky Henderson here in a second, but are you a fan of Milton, which I don't, again, I know they're trying to change these things up. Are you a fan of, when they go into extra innings, the runner on second? No. Yeah. No way. Same here. For me, for me, it's it's kind of silly. The same way, like, so when you paid for a ticket, again, we're going back. Nick, you were in even – I don't even think you were imagined at this point. But when you were you – know, when we played any team and you went to a doubleheader, you went, you know, nine innings for for every doubleheader. And if it got rescheduled, you bought that one ticket. Guess what? You got two games. You got bonus baseball, no matter how long it went. So this whole seven anything, I mean, it's almost like going back to college, which to me makes no sense. But, again, I guess MLB is trying to do whatever they want to with the game itself. But – I want to get your thoughts on Ricky Henderson because we were talking about base stealing earlier. Ricky is one of those guys that I think even if you're young today and you can, whether you're Googling it or going to your local library, if there's still libraries around and watching and watching his mannerisms, the way Ricky talked, obviously stealing the bases, but it was nothing funnier than when Ricky talked about himself as third person, the Ricky Henderson steals bases. And like there was, to me, that always resonated with me until today. There's no other player like Ricky Henderson because of the way he described himself, other than maybe Deion Sanders and his prime with Dallas. But I'd like to get your thoughts on Ricky Henderson, of just of the person that he is. That motivated him. You know, if you look at me, I, I'm not going to talk to you. My game is going to show what I can do. You know, but he that 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 fired him up. Talking junk, saying all those things. You know. I'm Rick, you know, Ricky the man and all that stuff. And, you know, that's what Ricky do, you know. That's, that's exactly. that, motiv that motivated him, you know. We're all kind of different. I mean, that's why he was such an amazing player because he walked the walk and talked the talk, you know, and that's what he could do, you know. But, you know, like myself, you know, I'm a quiet assassin. I keep my mouth shut and do my damage. I'm glad you brought up fundamentals because to me, being old school, I think fundamentals in every sport is a lost art. I think everybody has gotten away from it. I see football players tackling with their head, not squaring up. How do you not bunt? You learn to bunt when you're in, like, grade school. And guys, like, how do you feel about – you talking about fundamentals before. Do you feel the way I do about fundamentals being a lost art in sports? There's a reason I hit over 290 for 10 out of 13 years. That's because I could get 15 to 20 bunt hits. And when I could put the bunt down and, and they're, they're, they're thinking about me bunting and creep in, I hit the ball by them. So, I mean, that, that was, a, a you know, once I learned how to do that, and at first I kind of rebelled against it because when I first came up with the Braves, they said, all right, you're going to bunt for a hit every single day. And I'm like, why I do that? I can hit. No, <laughs> bunt for a hit, you know. So I picked my spot every game. I bunted for a hit. And the funny thing is I had to slow down and execute my bunt. I learned how to slow everything down to be a good hitter. Listen, I, I'm just, again, I, I like to at, at times pick people's brains. And, and for you, Milt, we know that your game of baseball speaks for itself. But before you got to be the player that, that you were, what made you choose baseball? Out of, out of all the sports you can, you can choose, 
Well, what made you choose baseball? And then what was your basically your own routine before even getting to the college and the pro levels? Well, I love football. I'm going to tell you the truth. I was a football kid growing up, but baseball was my life. My grandfather, my dad, my uncle barnstormed in the Negro League. So I was always around the game. I knew how to play it. My dad made everything simple for me. Everything simple. You know, I never panicked. Every, I was always... He taught me three simple words that to this day I teach kids and it just blows their minds. Relax, step, throw. Be relaxed at the plate. My step is my stride and my hands load. And then when I'm ready, my heel is not on the ground. When I'm ready to fire my hands, my heel goes down and my hands explode. My biggest fight with, with people today who think they're baseball gurus or whatever you hit with you hit with your hands your hands lead your swing for all those people who think they know and one of my kids is so funny we were working and then he goes out with his team and the coach goes who knows what leads your swing and he's all happy he raised his hand he goes your hands and the coach goes no I said, okay. <laughs> All right. You know, okay. <laughs> so why argue with people who think they know? I know what it, I know. I know how to hit. I was born to hit. I know what you're supposed to do to hit. And that's what I teach. And I, and I teach it and I simplify it. You know, guys, get on your legs, squish the bug, do this, do that, do that. All you're doing is putting information in kids' heads they don't need. You know? Right. I just, I just get up. Relax, step, pitcher steps, I step. When I'm ready to hit, I throw. I, I put my heel down and throw my hands. My dad used to always say you want to get your body out of the way so your hands can work. You hit with your hands. So if I'm ready to hit the fastball, I don't time the fastball. Guys in today's game get in trouble because they try to time the fastball instead of being ready to hit the fastball. And then when One I'm final... ready, when I'm ahead, ready I'm to hit the fastball and they throw me something off speed, I'm, I'm in a great position. No, one what? final thing. One final thing. Sorry, Fuji. One th final thing I'll ask, and then I'll give it to Fuji. Do you think guys now still have the passion for the game as they did back in the day? Yeah, they definitely have the passion. They just don't see. We policed ourselves. If somebody didn't run the ball out, we handled that. <laughs> you know, these guys don't even. They don't very rarely talk to each other. I've never seen in the minor leagues the last few years. Batting practice is over, and they're on their phones. They don't even talk to each other. They don't talk the game or anything. It's it's amazing. I remember I said, okay, I'm going to teach these guys something. I'm going to teach these guys how to play pepper. Oh. <laughs> oh, he froze for a second. Oh, he froze up. Yeah. You can't play it. You can't play it at um, baseball fields in the minor leagues. Big old sign, no pepper games. So I took them out to the warning track. And see, Pepper is so good because it teaches you three things. Number one, you got to be able to throw strikes. If you can't throw right. strikes, you're going to stay at the end of the line. Number two, you hit a ground ball. If you can't field it, you're going to go back to the end of the line. And the other thing, as a hitter, if you back control, if you can't hit the ball to everybody, you're going to go. You're going to, you're going to lose your turn. So that was wonderful. But no, they're hitting balls over the fence, and you know they just clowns. They don't understand the, the meaning of it. Milt, as far as that, the rumor of the DH rule coming into the National League next year, what's your take of that? That's why both both leagues are different. I wouldn't bring a DH because everybody's complaining. They're like, you know, we got to get a DH in because the hitting is so bad. The hitting is so bad because everybody's trying to hit home runs. Right. 
You know, nobody yeah. knows how to play. Oh, yeah. play. I've never seen guys get, be at third base less than less than two outs and not come in all the time. It's just terrible. Exactly. Like you said, everybody's swinging for the fences and wants to be on ESPN. You know, the last thing I'm, the last thing I'm going to say on this is that when I played and when I was a hitting coach, as a team, we, we, we worked as a team. We saying we're going to get double digits and hits. We took pride in that. Nowadays, I think they take pride in double digit strikeouts. I mean, I, I've never <laughs> seen anything like that before. You know, I heard, I heard one of my kids one day say, oh, they told me it's okay to strike out. I'm like, who told you that? I said, <laughs> you're going to strike out, but it ain't okay to strike out. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And this, you, as you're speaking about the kids, you know, we know that you were named the head coach of the baseball academy. So, Milt, for, for obviously the season last year because of COVID, a lot of the players, and we saw the, the affiliation change down here in Clearwater uh, with the Phillies, uh, where they're, they're now a low A versus a minor league team that they were. But those guys didn't get a chance to showcase their talents come last year. This year, and I know it started a month after the major league season had started. What can you do as far as for uh, being a coach? And if, if let's say you are prospecting, you're hoping to reach from single A to double A, and and you kind of gave up hope because you didn't get a, a chance to showcase, or you knew you were you were at that final year of being able to make it to the next level. What can you say to a player this season from last year that either a have the patience or b what could he have done differently? I guess to get himself prepared for the 2021 campaign. Well, you always got to remember it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, and the game will make you make adjustments. Um, I remember when I when I first started in the minor leagues, I had a I had a hitch, and you know, I, one day Ralph Gard comes up to me, and Ralph Gard was my hitting coach in Double A, and he goes. You need to get rid of that hit so you, you'll be on time most of the time. You want to get rid of it? I said, sure. All I did is put my bat on my shoulder. It's impossible to, to hit when you put your bat on your shoulder. So the rest is history. So you have to listen to people who have the greatest ideas and, and try things, you know. Because the game, you know, this, this is a tough game. I tell guys all the time, the only way a baseball game moves along, somebody makes an out. You're going to make a bunch right. of them. So you got to, you know, you got to keep battling and, one of my, my famous sayings is one a day. Um, get one hit, then get greedy. You see guys go, oh, I want, I need three hits today. Well, you got to get one so you can get three. But it's where, so it really come, where it really comes into play is you're coming up for that fourth at bat and you need one. Focus on, hey, let's get my one. Instead of saying, oh, I'm just having a tough day and just, just give it up. <laughs> And listen, it's true, but I want to bring up a couple comments here from, from the fans. And Joey B had one earlier on, and he said, uh, what was the deal with your short stint here in, in Denver? Because he's from Colorado, and then it sounds like they gave you a raw deal. Well, you know, it's, it's funny that, you know, I came over, and I thought I was going to get a chance to play because Larry Walker was hurt, and I never never really got an opportunity. I think my, my last year um, – I, I, I signed with the Dodgers, which was probably a bad move <laughs> because they had that list of uh, rookie of the years. I think it started with Keros, um, Mondesi, uh, Piazza, uh, Nomo. And then the year I was there, uh, it was Hollinsworth and Billy Ashley that they platooned in left field. And then Hollinsworth took over and he won the, um, won the uh, rookie of the year. But, I mean, I hit like 350 in spring training and my first start was the middle of june 
<laughs> I used to tell Tommy, I said, Tommy, you can't expect me to come in and get a hit against the top closers in the game if I don't get a chance to play once every 10 days or something. But it never happened. And then when I went over to Colorado, I'm like, okay, good. Maybe I'll get an opportunity because Larry Walker was down. Didn't happen. <laughs> That's baseball. That's incredible. Well, Bill says another good fan of, uh, in front of the show here. He says, Mr. Milton, how are you, sir? In 93, thanks for being part of that amazing season. Uh, Joey also followed up with, uh, what was it like playing with Nails, Lenny Dykstra? Any good stories about Lenny? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I tell you, me and Ozzy, me and Ozzy were like, uh-oh, pitching change. We got to go to center field with Lenny. And he's just spitting all over the place, spitting on you and stuff. And, you know, Lenny, Lenny, you know, they call him nails, but really we called him dude because every time he talked to us, he's like, dude, ah, dude. That's all he said. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he, he was, you know, he's incredible. I'm going to tell you, man, he, he had like, I don't know the exact number, but it was like 650 plate appearance. It was incredible that year. Wow. He was, oh, he was, he was phenomenal. And, and a, and a quick story about it is he used like 345 pair of batting gloves because every time he made an out, <laughs> batting gloves are gone. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, he, not, if I'm not mistaken, he was up for MVP with, you know, Barry Bonds winning yeah. that year. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was incredible. He really is. I mean, I've never seen anybody be 0-2 and either get a hit, it'll go to 3-2, and he either gets a hit or walk. I mean, absolutely incredible. What was it like playing with Darren Dalton? God bless best, his soul. Best, best ever, man. That's my brother. I love him to death. Um, I, he had a he had a nickname for all of us. Uh, my nickname was Scooter because I could run a little bit. Um, and uh, I always I always say this, and and you know, take it the way you want to. I say he's the only he's the only dude that's ever kissed me, and I'm I'm not mad at it. You know, because <laughs> he was. He was he he was the leader of that team, and he was my 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 buddy, man. What a great guy, and 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 we miss him. We miss him dearly. It's funny because any anytime you would see him anywhere, I mean, he would stop and talk to you. If you were down in Florida, if you were in Philly, it, it's amazing. Like there's certain players that you know you can come across, and they, they just they'll stop and just you know say what you have to say, you know, either take a picture or something else, and kind of keep it moving. But Darren Dahl was one of those guys that definitely would do it, especially at Citizens Bank Park, but. Again, dearly missed. Um, Joey follows up with uh, your thoughts and your emotions after winning the World Series and being invited to the White House as you were raised in the D.C. area. Uh, very incredible. Uh, it was just a, a, a great moment, you know. Everybody else was scared, but, you know, I'm always prepared. I had a baseball and a pen and got uh, President Obama to sign the ball, and I still have it. Gosh, nobody, really cool. nobody, nobody else was prepared. I was prepared. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's a good thing because you never, these, like, there's stories that you hear. Obviously, the guys, and I, I would, well, since we're on the subject here, behind the scenes. So, when you get invited down to the White House, what's kind of like the protocol? I know you guys get, obviously, put on your suits and, and your best dress, but leading up to meeting the president, what's the actual protocol before you actually get to meet him? And then, is there a meeting prior to meeting the president? No, it's uh, everybody gives all the information, super big time background tech checks. Everything has to line up, you know, your birth date, everything. Uh, I remember um, we had a, we had a hold up with J.C. Romero because his, his, his birth certificate or whatever was a little off. But they, they let him finally cleared him to come in 
to, to be there. And uh, we take a tour and then we, we go in this room and we're just waiting. And then all of a sudden the president comes in and introduces himself to us. And then we go out to the Rose Garden and, and, and they go, we have the you know ceremony. That's pretty nice. Think, again, things you don't ever get to hear as far as from a fan. But uh, Bill follows up with, uh, Mill. what picture did you love to see on the mound? And what picture did you not want to see, if any? <laughs> uh, we'll go with the one I didn't want to see. Uh, I could have a boat or and not get a hit off Dennis Martinez. El <laughs> and you will not believe who I pretty much owned. Greg Maddox. I hit over 340 wow. and 80 at-bats against him. Wow. <laughs> Wow. That that's listen, that that's pretty interesting. I, I would have never never in a million years where I, I would end up guessing that one. Are as far as and, and we know guys leave major league baseball and sometimes they still connect with either former players or other teams. Are there any other players that you stayed in contact with that may not have been a Philadelphia Philly, whether it be in St. Louis or anywhere else? Um, by far. One of my best friends in the game is Gerald Perry. Um, we came up through the Brave system together. And then we ended up being in St. Louis together um, on the Cardinals. And uh, he's just been, I call him my partner, partner for life. That's my buddy. So, uh, but you look at all the guys from 93, from Crucky, you know, my brother, um, Eisenreich, you know, all those guys, Ricky Jordan, you know, God, uh, you know, rest in peace, Kim Batiste. You know, I was like their, 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 they used to call me Papa Thompson. I was kind of, you know. They hung around me, and I was, you know, teaching them how to be a professional and how to play the game and stuff. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a rewarding career, I tell you. Did Crucky ever exercise? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Crucky looks pretty good now. Yeah, he does. He didn't exercise when he played, but he looks pretty good right now. No. Can you, can you clarify a rumor? I don't know how true this was. When you guys beat the Braves in, in the uh, NLCS in 93, the rumor was Kruk went up to Mitch Williams and said, get us the hell out of this inning and I'll buy you a case of beer. <laughs> Can you clarify that? I, I, I never heard that, so I, <laughs> I can't say that. But I will tell you this. Toronto didn't think we were going to beat the Braves. They, they didn't even get hotel rooms in Philly. So oh, wow. When we when we beat the Braves, they used uh, the hotel rooms for our minor league people in Ben Salem, and then my our people had to go out to Valley Forge. Wow! So they didn't think we were. They, they had no. They said, "No, we don't need to get hotel rooms here." So yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you this much: I'm glad that you guys that year beat the Braves because the one thing I couldn't stand it. If you remember on the Philadelphia Inquirer, they had when Atlanta came into town that goofy little tomahawk. And it, it, the airline pilot is just, you know, chopping it back and forth. I'm, I'm not a huge fan, and I know, you know, and I'm only speaking for myself as my own opinion, but I'm not a fan of, of I guess, of the champ. And it, it's not nothing because of beliefs or anything else like that. It just it used to get under my skin. and But obviously in a good way because if the champ can get to you as a fan, then you know the team is doing the right thing. But it was just, you know, it, it was just one of those things that was just always there and it used to drive me nuts, but you know, after after so many years of hearing it, I was like, okay, we get it. Here comes Atlanta. Try going to Wrigley Field if you really mm. want. To. <laughs> <laughs> out, try going to Wrigley Field as an outfielder. You'll you'll get bombarded. <laughs> <laughs> that chant didn't bother me. <laughs> but it, and great then, fans. Oh man, they 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 really support their team. They try to get under your skin. 
boy, they're good. Now, I will ask, and then I see one more comment here about, about Bill that I want to get out across here. But, Mill, so we, we, so we've heard, obviously, the, the All-Star game was moved from Atlanta to Colorado. Jackie Robinson was supposed to have a huge tribute in Atlanta, which hey, I thought was more than fitting to be in Atlanta, especially during the All-Star game. Now it's going to be done in Colorado, but to me – it should have remained in Atlanta, regardless of whatever political views or anything else anyone saw with it. Because you're also taking away, you know, money from obviously the people who were hired for the game, the local fans who worked there, you know, the area employees. I mean, it, it was to me, it was kind of huge for the, for that to happen. It, you, you might want to share your opinion or not, but to me, it should have remained in Atlanta. Well, that's what happens when politics get involved in in things. It messes everything up. So, you know, it's like you said, there are people who were going to make some good money from the all-star game being there, you, you know, you always um, businesses, everything. And so it's politics can screw up some things. Yeah, it, it can. I'll get here to the, the, the last comment I see that came in from Bill again. He says, uh, extra innings is a, is a disgrace. And why can't tie games go back to the old or today's games go back to the old way. The game is not speeding up. The other night, we almost had a four-hour game, Phillies and Nationals. The game today is a disgrace. Milt, agree or disagree? <laughs> uh, the game needs a lot of work. I won't say it's a disgrace, but it needs a lot of work, and we're losing fans quickly by not being fundamentally sound, being able to move the ball around, having some excitement. You know, I remember me and Izzy had our own hit and run. Jim Pergosi let us. Froze up again. It was a mic. I think the mic went bad, but we did hear about Jim Fergosi. Yeah, he let us. He let us. Me and Izzy put the hit and run on. We put it on whenever we wanted to. And we were smart enough to know the situation of the game and stuff. Yeah. No. What's the first rule? Would you change then? If you're the commissioner, what's the first thing you would do to to try to gain more fans back in baseball? Stop the shift. What do you mean by that? Like, don't, like no one can move, period? Shortstop has, shortstop has shortstop and third baseman have to play their position. Right. Okay. Now, do like you that. think – I'm sorry, guys. My, my, my wife is trying to get a hold of me. <laughs> <laughs> no so problem. excuse the phone ring. <laughs> Bill, real quick, do, do you think that they should go back – when we were growing up, you had a pitcher that went into the eighth or ninth inning. You had your starter that went that deep. And then you had your reliever or your straight-up closer. Do you think teams use too many damn pitchers? Well, I think that they worry too much about a pitch limit. I mean, you look at uh, Snell in the World Series. Game right. six. Oh, my oh, God. He's got 100 pitches. We have to take him out. He was carving those guys up. Yeah, you know when they took him out the game, those those, those dudes did cartwheels over there. <laughs> no, I sure mean, did. It's game, it's game six. He's not pitching anymore this year. Come on, no, it's true, so true. Well, listen, Mel, we don't we don't we don't want to hold you up anymore from your wife because we you know how important happy, it is. Happy wife, happy wife. Listen. Milton Thompson, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really do appreciate it. And again, keep doing what you're doing because the fundamentals of baseball need to come back. But Milton, thank you so much for what you've done as, you know, again, 
part of the World Series team and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. We really do appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Thank you, for coming on. Okay, Thank you. take care. Have a good night. So, Milt Thompson, and, and listen, that, that was a lot of fun because, you, you again, you get to hear stories. And this is the one thing that people don't understand. Like, when you're, as a fan, we know, like, I mean, Lord knows we've been to many games. We've played many video games, becoming champions ourselves through a video game era. You know, it, it's, it is what it is. But as a fan, a lot of times you don't get to hear a lot of the stories behind the scenes, what goes on. And I'm pretty sure he probably had more stories that he could have shared with us. But at the same time, too, you have to limit yourself because he's still involved with baseball. But even just hearing about what went on there at the White House, it's interesting stuff. So I'm glad we're able to get the guests that we that we do get here on Broad Street South because we can share all that wealth of information with you guys. And we appreciate the fans that, that obviously come to, to watch every single week. And, 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 again, I've always said, even if it's the same guys to, to us, it's fun because we get to see Bill and David from Boston – you know, Joey B, obviously, in Colorado. Joey. You know, we get to see uh, uh, the fan base. And, and without you guys, we say it every single week, we wouldn't have the, the show for the people. My sister who and, and AJ earlier on, I hope those guys have a great show. And seeing my sister's comment, by the way, my dad's birthday, birthday from two days ago, 81 years old. God bless my dad because, again, it's all on borrowed time, but we hope that my dad would get to see many more years uh, with us together with the family. But, again, it, it was a lot of fun with Milt. I'm so glad he was able to win that World Series ring, though. I know he missed out the opportunity in 93. Uh, Mitch Williams, a lot of us know as Phillies fans, Mitch Williams was a wanted man after that game. No. And I do remember going to a game, God, I want to say about eight years ago, down there in Citizens Bank Park, and Mitch Williams was only about two rows away. He, like, he walked in with his family, and he was two rows down. And I'm not going to lie because it was – I saw him was like, yeah, you know what? I could say hi, but no. No. You know, I remember 93. No, I'm not going to say hi. That's and I kept saying this over over my head. But he, he walked by and he looked like eye to eye. I mean, like, okay, I, I can be a jerk. But I'm saying this in my head because obviously no one else knew. Like, Mitch, how are you? He goes, good. So are you enjoying the game? He goes, yeah, you know, I'm enjoying practice here before the game starts. But, yes, you know, thank you for asking. It's all right. And then it was kind of like that pause. Like, he wanted me to say something else. Like, um, I could say thank you, but I'm not. And if you're watching, Mitch, no offense, Dutch called a different call than what you saw. And Joe Card knocked out of the park. And, yes, oh, my gosh, Charlotte, to go after all these years. But even still, okay. Poor guy. Well, Mitch, Mitch Williams, Mitch. would you like to come on the show, please? <laughs> Mitch, Mitch, Angel. Told, Mitch Angel. told him. Mitch this told is him. it. Get over it. This yeah, is it. I know. Get over it. Mitch know. told Jim Fergosi that his arm was dead. I mean, how many games that year was – he told Fergosi, my arm shot. Mm -hmm. He took Roger Mason out. He put Mitch in. Mitch yep. got you there all year. No, he didn't. And listen, and I say it all with fun because obviously, yeah, and as Ryan just said, I, I have gotten over it. But it's just – it's fun to bring back a memory because obviously – now. <clears throat> I'm not going to say like all, like all the crazy death threats. I mean, Mitch had to be like gone oh, yeah. for a while. It was insane. What was If the fans got a hold of Mitch, that would have been so bad. Now, I don't believe in, you know, in killing someone or anything else. Come on, it's a game. I, oh, and I'm yeah. pretty sure they saw a lot worse. Hey, yeah, look at Scott, look at Scott Norwood. Look at Scott Norwood for Buffalo. I mean, look at Bartman in Chicago. You know, the fa he's a fan. I mean, he had to go into freaking hiding. So, you know, fans, 
That's why they're called fanatical. That's why they're called fanatics. But some fans take it to the extreme. I'm like, all right, the guy gave up a home run. He might be the nicest guy in the world. But there are just a plethora of fans that are always going to hold a grunge because that's their team in a critical moment, and they put all the blame on one person. No, that ain't Mitch, 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 just, Mitch just said. I mean, uh, uh, Mitch no, just no. said. No, just said about game, what was it, four? You're up 14 to eight. Right. They wind up losing 15-14. They don't talk crap about all that. You know, all they talk about is Mitch giving up the home run. So, yep. Kirk Schilling had the tail over his head. Hey, hey, Bill, we're going to try and do the best we can to get Mitchy Poo on the show. I'm going to remember that. So He's not going to want to come on now. He's not going to want to come on now. Yeah, but you're not. You're not you're, we'll, let, we'll let Fuji host because you're not hosting that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah, actually this, met Mitch Williams. He's a pretty nice guy. No, he is. See? And that's why I said it. The right ballpark, earth. Listen, I, I don't. Everybody knows as a fan, right? You you have your moment. Yeah, do you get frustrated and all that? In the moment, of course you do because you knew. I And in my heart, I still believe if the Phillies would have won game six, the Phillies would have had their second World Series championship that year in 93. But it didn't know, play yeah. out. It, it wasn't our year. That's just the way it works. But, Bill, we're going to try as best we can to get Mitch Williams on. He actually would be a, a, a really fun guest so we can kind of find out the way he felt after all them years. I know he, he really, really has gone into the way it felt for him. And he may not talk about it. I mean, he may have – he could possibly have PTSD from it. But it was nice to see him down at Citizens Bank Park, especially with their family. The great thing was, though, I will say that not one fan said something disrespectful to him whatsoever. And I, I prefer to see that because we you can have something in your head, and it's always best to keep it silent because the minute you say something, it's always oh. hard to recant it and be like, all right, I'm sorry. I really shouldn't have said that. But, you know, it, again, we're fans. It's just the way it works. And uh, David Harris says, uh, David, thank you, uh, thank you for tuning in, that the 93 Phillies should have won the World Series. And, David, you are correct. They should this is the This is the one that's got PTSD. The one, the one to my right over here. <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> none. None. But, yes, I do a little bit. But that's okay. It's, all right. it, it's the way it works. But, hey, listen, it, again, we've seen it in Philly. I mean, Again, if you want to go back to 2017, yeah, we we saw something that we thought, honest to God, that none of us would ever see in our lifetime. But thankfully, we did, and now we believe in Nick Sirianni. You know, it, I know people they're going to have their qualms or whatever else. Let's see how the season plays out because I believe in Nick. I believe in him a lot more. I was not a fan of Chute Kelly. If, no matter of fact, Ryan, we're going to have a show. The mayor, Nick Sirianni. Not Nick Sirianni. I believe in Nick too. There's well. Nick Ducky, if we want to, if we want to start throwing names around there, but so, but no, I listen. Our young Nick, he's doing a fantastic job. So yes, I believe in our young Nick. But we will have a show as far as like the, the worst fallouts ever in Philly sports. And and matter of fact, we might have to bring in Goose for that one because it, it would be beyond interesting to, to bring up Goose on on a show like that. And and speaking of Goose, by the way, guys and girls out there, if you want the finest cigar in the Delaware Valley. Please visit Goose's Monte Cristo and Tobacconist, where you guys can find the favorite, most flavorful cigar out there in the Delaware Valley. If not, go visit them at West Ridge Pike, 250 West Ridge Pike in Limerick, Pennsylvania. Goose's Monte Cristo Lounge and Tobacconist, when you too can smoke the finest cigar. But hey, I, for, I, I forgot to ask who's going to win the Sixers Net Series, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> Prick. 
you're a wise guy. Let you, let you put a sock in it. Put a sock in it. See, I knew if I just if I just, if I just, if I just turned it just a little. Don't get me fired up with your salt in the womb nonsense. You know what you can, you can stick the word of sun don't shine. Please do. And it also sounds like they have no plans on trading Ben Simmons. So again, you never again, know. Again, I will say, and you no never replies know. with Alex or David. Sorry, replies with Alex here, but I, I will say again, <laughs> and and this is Doc Rivers, okay? And and Morley also stated that the, the nucleus of this team is better than other teams that are out there. That, that comes straight from Daryl Morley's mouth. That it's better than uh, other teams wish they had what the Sixers had. And that's fine. You know what? As a GM, you're going to say that. For Ben Simmons, I know Doc Rivers does not want to give up on Ben Simmons. I understand it. I get it. You're a head coach. You don't want to see your guys go down. But is Ben going to take the time to do what needs mm-hmm. to be fixed with Ben? And we've it's, seen it before with former Philly players, but I don't believe that Ben Simmons will fix Ben Simmons. Go ahead, Fooch. It's been the last three years. I mean – the video that's been out of him in a pickup game, turning around, hitting jumpers, doing layups, everything. Why isn't he doing this in the big game when he needed it? Where was he? Where, he's he was to going up. to see the wizard to get some damn heart, which he didn't have. That's where he needs to go first. He needs to do soul searching in the mirror with his $146 million contract. It's a <laughs> disgrace. It is. Listen, because it's a joke. Doc does not want to give up, and and he believes so much. And maybe Doc sees something that we don't see. I don't know. We'll see come next year. That's for sure. Whatever what's going to come of Ben Simmons, I just don't have. I I think my patience kind of run thin with Ben, especially when you're up on an easy layup and you decide to pass ball. You're under the rim. What did it take for you to squeak out another inch in your mighty height to? Well, anyways, guys, they they need to keep and beat at the five. They should put Ben at the four. They should put Tobias at the three. And whoever you when you pl- whoever you want to plug into at the point guard and the shooting guard, action. that's what they should do. But they won't do it. The whole that's what they did. But the whole the whole Ben Simmons point guard thing, distributing, not being able to shoot, the experiment. People have said it. It doesn't work anymore. It's right. holding them back. And then the thing is, you got you, you can put the onus on the players. But when you have leads like that, you have got to be able to coach the teams up. You've got to be able to get them to understand, look, guys, we have the lead. There's no way we can – I mean, everybody's got to be partially responsible for the collapses that they had because right. that series had no business going like it did. It just didn't. The experiment's over. I know what they're saying. I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors, but you have to do something. Unless they are going to – put together a package to bring a C.J. McCollum there or, you know, somebody else who's like a, a decent two because they're not going to get a spectacular point guard to come to Philly. They're just not. Oh. But, they, but they need something like that. It just doesn't work anymore. Well, the thing of it is you got to just build around Joe because how many more years in the league is he going to be? With all these injuries creeping up every year. Uh-huh. I mean, he's 27 years old now, but still. Injury after year after year. I mean, eventually they're going. It's going to catch up to his body, and then he's done. And then the window's definitely going to close within the next two to three years. Yep. But the other thing, the other thing I will say about Joel, and I've said it for the last couple of years, 
He's got to stop crying, man. He's got to stop being a baby when people get physical with him because the act gets old. And he just does not like it. I don't care. You go back and watch games. If someone gets physical with him, he can't stand it. That's why he gets so upset. That's why he gets technicals. You got to be able to. Keep, you have to be able to keep that in check. If you if you're worried about that and you're not focused on the game, you're worried about getting in and with the fans. You are not focused. Just stay focused on the game. Well, this was in the '80s or '90s at the NBA with the bad boys of Detroit beating up Jordan in the paint. Right. All those guys worried about was playing basketball. They did not get in with the fans. Yeah, they wanted the hardware and they went out and got it. Exactly. It was old school at those dynasties. No, Nick. <laughs> Junior, speak now or forever hold your peace. My adopted internet son. All right. Well, the 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 Ben Simmons thing, I I find it funny because uh, when he came in, he was known as uh, lack no effort and he had no jump shot, and the Sixers took him number one. And what is he? What is he now? Lack of effort, as reported by Stephen A. Smith the other day, and no jump shot. So well, he was all. He was all. It was compared to Magic Johnson. Apples to oranges. Get over it. Uh, I think different, different era, different time. I think part of the reason why Magic was so successful is he didn't need a shot. Ben Simmons needs one because we're in 2021, and if you can't shoot, you're going to get exposed. Hell, hell did his father play pro ball in Austria, Australia, and not teach him how to shoot the damn ball? That's it's like that, that's like. That's like learning something in a – like dropping a bunt in Little League. Fudge, he's 6'10". Six, he's six right? If, if I'm 6'10", I'm going to drive and dunk on all these five, six little kids every day so of the he's week. Passing the ball. I guess so. He's passing the ball in the biggest Fudge. seventh game four nights Fudge. ago. Fudge, I'm 6'2". If a guy's guarding me that's 5'6", of course I'm not shooting. I'm going to drive. Every well, Joe time. even got on him about it, and he just looked at him like, and Ben turned his back on him. Like, where, not, where the hell is the horse? I'm not surprised with the Ben Simmons you stuff. You know what? You this have all the talent in the world, but it's all heart and fire, which he don't have. I don't think the guy wants to be here. Send him to L.A. or wherever he wants to go. Do not play in this city because you, you're like Wentz. You don't have the guts or the skin to play in this town. Yeah, I'm sorry, I mean, I the man has no heart. All the talent, no heart. Bottom line, that's the end. No stick and freaking heart. He's he's a dead man walking with no pulse. I, I, hey, I don't I don't think the talent's there either. Have you seen those memes where it's like if he was six six one or if he was six foot yeah, and he's yeah. working at McDonald's? You seen those? Like, I'm like, saying, it's the it's a it's it's a disgrace. There. It's a flat out joke, my man. Yeah, but Fuji, let me ask you this. Didn't Tobias Harris also disappear in a couple of those games? Yeah, he did, but at least he's been stepping up his game basically all year. Do you know how much so, he makes, Fooch? Well, yeah, he got the super max contract. Which Nick, 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 Nick's, the, Nick's the numbers guy. So he... <laughs> Wait, you can start dumping out your, uh, those analytics on us. Which you <laughs> can throw that there. I'll, I'll go in this room over here and throw everything down the damn toilet and flush it all. Because it don't mean jack today. Take the analytics, throw it down the, the damn Delaware, the Schuylkill, and flush it. Flush right. it out to every damn ocean in the world. Right, right. Do you know Doc's like, criticism? Do you know why people criticize Doc? 
It's because he doesn't use the analytics. Yeah, and he doesn't use the analytics when he needs to. He's still playing Dwight Howard in in clutch time. The fact that Dwight Howard shoots six shots in the fourth quarter and Ben Simmons shoots three is ridiculous, man. At least Dwight Howard has a pulse and comes to play. Now, Nick, I believe analytics would have probably just told you to play Kevin Durant all the time and sit Harden and Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving got hurt. And what did James Harden do? He <sighs> was all so you, you ran carried that team. Throw all the and I told you that certain players have a propensity for getting hurt. And what happened? You can you can throw all kinds of analytics at me you want to. It don't mean jack squat when you get hurt. Unless you're gonna come up with analytics when one or the other doesn't play. They're well, sitting at home just like the Sixers. So don't be talking smack. What are uh, now? Okay. Hey, I'll, I'll mention my Nets when I get the oppor- opportunity. You're I think, uh, you mean your you mean your Brooklyn Knots? The, the uh, Knots, not the Nets, the Knots. N O T S. Well, Tell me wait, 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 raise, up, raise up your big your shoe either. Raise up your well, Bickland shirt. N O T S. Where's your Bickland shirt? I'm wearing it He's probably going to wear it to go play yeah. basketball tonight. Yeah. Here's a guy yeah. that had heart. One of the greatest. One of the greatest yeah. ever play the game. Yeah. Angel, hit me with Doctor What? Yes. What? What? Hit, hit me Julius with your BS. Over. What? No, it's not BS. No, listen. Now, it, it, to defend Nick here, because it, I, I understand. It, I know he's getting a little bit roughed up here, but to defend Nick, actually, if Denver. Would have read Nick's article on analytics, huh? Huh? Maybe Denver. I'm just saying. Look, no, I'm just all, 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 called all I will say is, and Nick knows this because he and I have discussed it. If Jamal Murray doesn't get hurt, I truly believe Denver would have went a hell of a lot farther than they did. It would have been yeah. a whole a different team. They may have made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals if Jamal Jamal Murray. Jokic carried him in the first round, but in the second round, not having Jamal Murray really showed up, and that's what killed them. I mean, their, that's true. their backcourt was was gone for Denver. They didn't even have P.J. Dozier. They didn't, I mean, Will Barton was like a shell of himself. I mean, yep. D- Denver had their, their own problems. But I, I, want, I want to talk about Brooklyn real quick. Um, oh, my God. One, the Harden hamstring thing was uh, – sitting in home with the Sixers on, on the couch. Yeah, I was – Watching Harden, Harden's hamstring, because um, clearly he had re-aggravated it uh, in game one um, from that previous injury he had. He comes back, what, game five? And he, he shouldn't have come back. I, I saw a picture the other day, and it was like Harden's like drive rate, like the rate at which he drove to the basket. And it showed like after the first time he aggravated it, it dropped like a little bit. After the second time he aggravated it, it dropped even more. So it was like Harden was hurt. And he he didn't have it. I think there were a lot of possessions where he shot. He tried to shoot over Giannis, just because he knew he didn't have that quickness that he usually does to get past him. Because um, Kevin Durant was getting past him all day long, but um, it was tough to watch. It was really tough to watch. You say something, Nick. What were you saying? Your mic was off. I didn't hear it. Was, uh, and it is. Well, I heard it, it was is, a bunch of gibberish. It is quite evident, and this is going to be interesting to see when they play again next year. Giannis and Durant do not like one another because no. they're always being compared to one another. And if you go back and watch the entire Nets-Bucks series, 
they really, really do not like one another. No, Who do you think true. was better in that series, Giannis or Durant? Durant. I mean, Giannis won. I mean, who moved on? So. <laughs> yeah, Giannis. I mean, he was he was incredible. Yeah, that was the first time he. So, Kevin Kevin Durant is a different beast. Giannis, I mean, Kevin Durant has a different game than Giannis. Giannis doesn't have the range. Kevin Kevin is just a all around sharp shooter, one of the best scorers in the history of the NBA. He does it all. I mean, the guy's 6'11". He's almost seven feet tall. Giannis is 6'10", 6'11". But he, he just has a completely different game. Giannis doesn't, that team. I mean, Giannis doesn't have that range that Durant does. Giannis is more of a post-up player. He's more of the 10 to 12-foot jump shot kind of guy. Very, I mean, the guy shot an air ball at the free throw line. So, yeah. I, I mean, I it wish, just – And they – the Nets and the Sixers both lost on their home court. Let me just twist it a little bit more. Yeah. yeah there you go. Let me know when you're done. So I can <laughs> unmute my mic. I'll take my headphones off at least. That's right. It happens. I'm going to get a couple comments here before uh, we end up show ending end up ending the show. But Bill says if Ben if Ben is on his team next season and Doc is still here, I will not be watching. And and you may Please. not be alone, Bill. You may not Please. be alone. He says that about the Eagles every year too. <laughs> I got a, I got the Brooklyn Bridge to sell you too. <laughs> so uh, David says that I don't think I don't think so. Hopefully they can trade him if they can. And he's talking about Ben Simmons as uh, you guys were going on the rent earlier. Bill says what player doesn't want to dunk as we talked about Ben when he was under the rim. Hey, Spud Webb and Moxie Bogues wanted to dunk because he didn't want to go to the free throw line. It was hack. It was hack a Ben hack a Simmons. He was afraid he was going to get hacked, and he had to go to the free throw line. Yeah, unfortunately. But uh, Davis says that Ben Simmons has no heart. Tom follows up with he's naturally right-handed, but he shoots foul shots with his left. It's his foul. Yeah, he's amphibious. What the heck? He's amphibious. Yeah. Uh, Bill says we might see the Hawks in the finals, which is true. It it could be a great possibility. Uh, He also states that this summer. The summer ball play against people have them roughing them up and toughen them up. And and you know what? Maybe Bill he should have gone to uh, to what you call it, to Tokyo. But again, Doc's keeping him here because Doc believes in him. So we'll see what's going to happen here with Ben. David follows up with he needs to learn to make foul shots. It really sucks. And he's, yes, he's got, David, he's got the Kardashian curse. Do his, do like the old school in the fifties. His, his, his form is is. Hor- it's horrible. It's horrible. It, it's actually disgusting. I don't, I don't get how he's been able to shoot. When, like that when, well. when you're a worse foul shooter than Shaquille O'Neal, you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks. It just looks funny. Like he like he like puts his elbow out like this, and then he like. Uh, it's it just it, go, look, go, it just looks funky. Go 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 back and take a look at the Lakers of the '80s and watch Michael Cooper shot and the way he shot foul shots too. I will, I will. He would wind up, Bam. but he made foul shots. So, yeah, no, he did. About Bill Cartwright. Oh my God! With the <laughs> with the with the flippy thing at the yeah. he come it was like stiff. It was like Bryson DeChambeau like this, and then you would just take it up like this, turn your palms out, and flick your wrist. Right. That's what it was. Yeah, true. Uh, Dave was a couple comments here. First, uh, the other one he put down was Simmons and Wentz have no balls. Harding was eating cheeseburgers on the Jesus. sidelines. Uh, yeah. He put Dumber. Uh, well, that's okay because it, it's, it's it's another one that's coming up behind this one. Denver Nuggets suck. And and Nick wrote an article that said, hey, David, if, if you didn't get a chance, take a look on BroadStreetSouth.com. Look on the article section, and that's the reason why we had brought it up here. 
Um, but also he, and I won't say the first word, but Nick, don't get in there. Yeah, exactly. Gentlemen, that was tough to watch. It was tough to yeah. watch. Bill says uh, uh, Philly winning the title soon. Uh, yeah, title soon. Let's see what Phils can't hit. Sixers have no Ben. Who doesn't want to play the Eagles? Arm rebuild time flies. Well, this is all kind of run on sentence here, so I'm kind of screwing it up. Uh, winning a title soon. Let's see what the Phillies can do. Sixers have Ben, who doesn't want to play. Eagles are in rebuild time. Flyers, who the hell knows? Suck a team to be a Philly fan. And yeah, it, it's been talked about over and over again, Bill, and that's true. I don't know what the Flyers are doing. And honest to God, listen, and I know. I know I get hammered because I'm down here in Tampa and because of lightning, uh, and I, yeah. I tweet it out when the games go front, on. Runner, front, runner, front, runner. Oh, I'm sorry, what, <laughs> where are you saying? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm saying it's some crutches. Now, listen. You don't it's break your leg about, jumping off that bandwagon there's after, no, after tomorrow night. There's no front runner. There's no front, front. Understand that we are a national show, so there is no such <laughs> thing as front runner. Only no sports so, are national or both. There's a reason why it's called Broad it's a, Street South. Yeah, well, reason why it's Broad yes, Street South. I was born on Broad Street. Thank you. And by the way, last time I you checked. On, on the actual street? Broad, Broad Street. Yeah. Broad Morph. Methodist Hospital. <laughs> Take it in and, your notes. And if you want to go into Broad Street at Temple Hospital. Where? So I was born on Broad Street as well. Well, Broad Street is in Philadelphia. Last I checked. Broadway is up in New York. So, But Tampa is south. Yeah, but Tampa's down, hence, in, Tampa's hence, down in the Everglades. Hence, Broad Street South, <laughs> yeah. because it's national. Last it's time I checked, Broad Street is in South Philly and North Philly. So, but, and this, no, that's not true. You know why? Because, and I will take a picture and show you, there is a Broad Street in Brooksville. So, exactly. there is a Broad Street here. As I don't well. know where Brooksville it, is. It's, it's <laughs> north of Tampa, but I will well, take you, the picture. Well, and if I'll you get a chance, you. you go to Brooksville and take the picture and it says Broad Street. And I'll Very take well. I'll take one tomorrow when I'm on Broad Street. The, you app, have to the, real, the, the real true and, true and genuine Broad Street. Right here. It's right here. Broad I know. Street's I used to right work here. in the building right across from the Kimmel Center. Right. I worked there 15 years. But listen, when you're a national show, as Ducky has his glasses on, uh, too cool for the room here, but it, it, it's a national show. So guess what? You're going to bring in fans from all over the place. It, it's just the way it works. Now, well, we're, we're I, from Philly, and we don't care. <laughs> and I'm not singing the song, but we're from Philly. Don't, don't Philly. Make, don't make them. And we really don't care. We're blue-collar <laughs> workers. We bring our lunch pail to work every day. This is why Ben needs to get – to learn how the Philly fan is because you're paying good money to watch playoff basketball and nobody's showing up. Well, guess what? Bring your lunch, pal Ben, if you're watching. This is what Philly's about. We love our sports. We have the passion and we know what the hell we're talking about. You can bring it up because, again, it's, it, it's, it's almost like ESPN would just be ESPN only Connecticut. And ESPN, obviously, is nationwide. So it's the same way. It's been fun since I've been down here. We saw the Rays come up last year, and they almost ended up winning it all. They didn't. The Bucks. you don't hear me as intense when it comes to the Bucks. All right, but there are the Bucks do everything down there as Fuji keeps going the way he's going. But again, 
Hey, it's fun, and you can talk about whatever we want to hear because, again, we fill in the fan base from everywhere. And, yes, I'm a diehard Phillies fan. Don't get me wrong mm. because you will never take the city out of me if I – same way. Philly, it doesn't – Philly, Philly, Eagles, it, oh, you'll but, never take it out hey, of me. What about quick, these two jokers on the side of us? Hey, quick question, quick question. Okay, yeah. Ben Simmons, Shaquille O'Neal, you guys saw the Shaquille O'Neal comment the other day. He said he yeah. knocked Ben Simmons' ass out. We should. Ben Simmons, O'Neal, boxing, celebrity boxing fight. They're the main event. We'll put we'll put Kwame Brown or Kwame Brown and uh, Kendrick Perkins as the first fight. We'll do two real fights. Mm. I'm saying fifty dollar pay per view. Are you paying to watch? No. I'd rather watch Fuji comb his hair than watch that. <laughs> I would rather watch. I would I would put put Fuji on pay per view. And just let him be like John Travolta on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday night fever. Broad Street South and Goose Goose's Cigar and Tobacco in this sponsor Fuji Pay Per View event. He's just for ten minutes. You just mm-hmm. sit, you just come in his air. Oh, I don't think many people would like to see that. What about thirty dollar pay per view? Are you paying to watch? I'll pay the thirty bucks. Depends on how loaded I am. Yeah, I'll pay the thirty bucks. <laughs> Yeah, that seems like a good fight. David Sell. <laughs> there is this hell no, but before that though, the funnier one before that is that Ben Seamus needs to park cars at a Wells Fargo parking lot. <laughs> Thank you for that one, David. And the flyers suck. Exactly. <laughs> See, your own fans, own fans are turning on you, Fooch. Sorry. Well, they do suck. They're not even talked about. Right. That's true. Yeah. So it's like, when it's like they're invisible. Up, they when don't I bring exist. up the bolts, don't say anything. Because you know what? Again, it's a national show, and that's what we do. Because guess what? Whatever who, it, That's like the same with the Habs. We have hey, what? Kim Perron who came on. Right? Kim Perron talks about the Flyers in her show right on Perron and Favel. But guess what? She talked about her Habs, and they're in Montreal. So either way you look at it, it doesn't matter. We're here uh, to bring up sports. You were born right in Philly. Can we be international? Because I'm I'm loving UEFA's right now. I'm, I'm I've gotten I'm obsessed yeah, we, with European oh, yeah. soccer, and I'm yeah, obsessed with it. that. There you go. See. Yep. You watching yeah, the Euros, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah huge. Wednesday was an incredible day to watch uh mm. watch a little football in the afternoon. Let's wait till the English Premier League starts, buddy. Yeah, I can't. I actually can't wait for Boxing Day. I, that's that's like one of the biggest days of the year for them. So I, I can't wait. Got some wait comments quick. coming in there. Yep, and David says welcome. Welcome, David Harris, and everybody else. Listen, we we're, it's always fun. It, you know, it's this is like the after hours. You have the guest on, and it's like the after hours. It becomes a bonus show. And I know normally we're supposed to go about an hour tonight. We're about an hour, nineteen minutes into it, but it becomes fun. And again, it, because of the fans and the people who watch the show, that's what makes it so much fun. So we like to get Fuji fired up. And I know if I keep talking about the bolts, I keep getting more and more fired up. That's, that's the, the best the part of the is. show. Yeah, well, exactly. I gotta keep reading your tweets. this it because it's good stuff and because of that there's been actually lightning fans now that have been tuning into the show so thank you very much that's just the way you just would you would you just watch the hair you know i work a long time (laughs) on my hair he hits it he hits my hair that's true Hey, David he follows knows, up with this. He's, he's sitting there like he doesn't know what I'm talking about, but he knows what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but are you? We're so, fine. hey, someone actually wants to cut my hair. Someone wants to cut it. She she bought clippers and she bought materials. I, I just thought I'd say it as a joke, like, hey, like, like I need to get a haircut really bad. She's like, 
I will do it. They said, okay, all right, here we go. So Taking take Ducky International. I guess haircut <laughs> coming soon. Now, that's a pay-per-view event, ladies and gentlemen. Right there, Ducky cuts his hair, gets it buzzed. That would be the one over here. And the one over and the one above me here should have like a pay per view cutoff. Never. <laughs> <laughs> in this corner, the Fuji, Don Corleone Fuji. And in this corner, Ducky. Ready? Comb, snip, comb, snip. You can have them. It could happen. <laughs> David says the Philadelphia Flyers are footnotes now, and no one cares about them. Facts and truth. And, and you're right. You are correct there, David. And no, and it's a shame because you look at the year before and it looked like the Flyers were actually going to, I mean, literally a good push to win the Stanley Cup. And then this year, I don't know exactly what ended up happening. So it was almost like the reverse COVID effect. You would have thought COVID would have knocked them out. Nope, this year knocked them out for whatever out of reason. Uh, David says, thank you. Bill says, we need the Juru to settle things down. And Tom says, break out the flow, be you good Lord. Oh. <laughs> wow, the flow, be well, you hear that one, Fuji? Yeah, uh, so bust out the sham wow, too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. The flow, the flow, be and then you can take the sham wow and get some nice sheen on it. Wow, wow, <laughs> well. If uh, if Fuji and I were face to face right now, I think for the first time Fuji would like smack me in the face. Nah, <laughs> I control my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and That's I got a bridge. I got a bridge in Brooklyn. I want to sell you too. Yeah, we'll see that when, when it still, happens. I'll buy it. We'll see what happens when the Eagle season is about to start up here momentarily. And, and we'll see because it'll be a whole different story. Hey, by the way, if you guys are tuning in, and obviously we thank you again so much. Wait a minute. Bill has one more comment before I talk about the uh, oh, Tree South here. Bill says, it don't take much to fire a Fuji. <clears throat> when he wants to go off, it takes days to settle him down. And, and that's true, Bill. That is, <laughs> that is, that's truth. That's truth and facts by Bill. So true. But anyways, listen. If you guys, first of all, if you like us on Facebook and YouTube, please like, subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, and let them know that we are here to stay. And we're coming up on our next season with the Eagles, and we've been having fun with everybody. It's enjoyable. It's a lot of fun, and, and Fuji looks stiff. You're right there, Fuji. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> okay, all right. I thought maybe you froze up there for a second. But Probably by the way, is. also go to BroadStreetSouth.com. And while you're at BroadStreetSouth.com, one is obviously you can see the interactions that we have there on Twitter. You can see ourselves here momentarily. Also, if you go over on the articles, you can see Nick's fantastic articles on there. And if you click the home button here, which looks like a home, but actually it is a store, you can check out all the latest merchandise at BroadStreetSouth.store. We got fanny packs. We got tights. We got Ryan, t-shirts. Ryan, those white wings, my man. <laughs> no, it's got shirts and hoodies. <laughs> he sure does. But, hey, take a look. Browse around. The hats did come out, and there's more hats coming. So it's not – And I know um, Ducky Cornish was talking about as far as the hats. The hats are coming as well. I did release one version of the hats, but there are better hats that are coming because, again, I don't want to rush things that are going to look ridiculous. But, again, go to BroadStreetSouth.store, and you can go through it right through Street South Again, just click on that home link, and you guys can – or the uh, – sorry, the store link, and you'll be able to go through it that way. So, again, thanks to everyone who tunes in, uh, tune in tonight. And David says, I'm glad that Kelly Green is coming back in 2022. Fly, Eagles, fly. That is true, David. And, and yes, we was just talking about it before we went on live. But – uh. Come next Tuesday, just so everyone knows. And, of course, I missed it because here it is. Next Tuesday, 
the author of the Wax Pack, Brad Belugian, will be on with us next Tuesday at 7.30. If you guys have not read his book, it is a fun read as far as the book. It's also available on Audible through Amazon. So if you guys don't have time to read the book, you can listen to it while you're at work and just, you know, put in your Bluetooth headphones and, and listen to it. It is a fun listen to if you're listening to it and also a fun read. And it's actually stories within stories as he brings his personal life with what went on that year with him and the players. So next week we'll have Brad on next Tuesday night. Make sure you tune into that. And then our next Thursday show will be with Harrison Fuji, yeah. last name. Sanford. Sanford. No, I was hoping that he would just fill in right behind it. Harrison Sanford. It's like finishing each other's sentences. Oh, my goodness. And the pause delay, but it's okay. It's all right. Listen, I'm trying here. I'm trying to work with the room, but it's all right. And just because Fuji, <laughs> Fuji wanted to go there, we'll decide that we'll go there, too. Thank you. And you're, you're welcome. Much man. obliged. Not a problem whatsoever. And listen to everyone else. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Again, we do appreciate it. Again, please visit us on our Broad Street South Facebook page, and you can see the, the you know all the latest and greatest that goes on with the show. Again, on BroadStreetSouth.com, BroadSCSouth.com, and you guys can take a look there. You can learn what you know about us. Also, if you want to reach out to the show, you can always reach out to the show at BroadStreetSouth at gmail.com, BroadSCSouth at gmail.com. For anything, you guys want to make comments, suggestions, whatever it may be, go through South at gmail.com. I see one more comment before we end the show. David says, 100 Facts and Truth. David, thank you again for tuning in, along with Bill and Tom, David from Boston, Bill McManus. Who else did I and I forget? AJ from Joey B. Guys, yep, Joey, Joey B. B. Always Joey tuning B. in with us. Love if you guys have the opportunity to check out the Rough Cut Sportscast, that's where AJ had tuned in earlier, and he is an Atlantic Hawks fan, and we had him on last week, and Ooh. you know things did happen. But hey, always check out the Rough Cut Sportscast. But to everyone tonight, and I, is there one more comment that came in before? I, yep, one more comment here. Uh, Bill says another fantastic, wonderful, great show with you guys. Uh, you guys are awesome. Ending the show should end with that all the time. With uh, would that would be with the range? <laughs> Would be us messing around, yeah. Oh no, actually, you know what? Yeah, oh, the chant. No, the chant. Yep, with yeah. the chant. So I just got that one. So uh, and David says, "Great show, guys. Have a good one. Thank you, David, again for I tuning in. You as well. Thanks, David. Yeah, we do Thank appreciate you. it. And uh, well, you know what, Bill, I will take that into consideration. If that's the way we're gonna end the show, and if as long as no one has a problem with it, we can oh, do wait. it that way. But well, wait, we're national. Weisenheimer. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean he can't end a, the show. It's a Weisenheimer. <laughs> of course not. We can listen from Broad Street South and we can take it right back up to Broad Street. So yes, we are a national well, show, and yes, that's what we can do. It's Broad Street South down I-95 south of Tampa. <laughs> Fuji, well, if you Fuji, want to be technical, Fuji Ways. He's a he's a he's a ways. He's a GPS. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's okay. I get it. It's all right. Listen, no big deal. It's all right. It's what happens. <laughs> Listen, no. We all, love to, 
Yeah, we all love to joke around and, and laugh. And because if we don't believe me, I, the, I always say the day the show stops being fun is the day the show is over. So we hope that that day never comes around uh, unless we just grow too old to end up doing a show. But again, I'll remind everybody, September 12th, we will be at Goose's Pond Studio. So September 12th, you'll see the entire gang up there. Myself, Fuji, Young Nick, and our national correspondent, Ryan F. So you will see the four of us up there at... Uh, the Goose's Pond Studio. We're going to have a lot of fun that day. We hope to also get up there maybe a couple more times before the season's over. Um, there could be a possibility that you also see me in Tampa Joe's, but we're we're waiting to see, iron out a couple things. So we'll see if uh, you'll end up seeing me down there. And also, um, there is going to be a golf tournament coming up. I don't have everything as of right now as far as dates, but it will be in White Marsh, Pennsylvania, and it's the only thing I can kind of release at the moment. But um, dates, times, all the good fun stuff – will be coming up, and it was from a, a great friend guest of the show. And uh, as soon as we get more more details about it, we'll let everyone else know. There's two more comments before we end up the game. Uh, who cares? We are Philly. Screw everyone else. Right on, Dave. <laughs> hey, listen, again, I don't take it to heart, so it's no big deal to me. But when you're a national show, you have to bring everything around. And David always ends up bringing up uh, as far as – no one cares because it's just it's who we are as far as Philly fans. And Bill says, give Fuji some beers. And, and along with that, some cheers. So, hey, listen, everyone else, we will see everyone Tuesday night. We hope to have, again, a lot of fun with Brad. It should be a fun talk, a fun conversation with Brad and his book. It, again, if you guys get the opportunity to, to read and or listen to his book prior to the Tuesday show, I would encourage everyone to do so. Uh, but for tonight... Debbie, the producer over there in Studio B, as I'm over in Studio A. Thank you, Debbie. Along with Ryan F., our national correspondent, our young beat writer, Nick Lisi, and from the man who causes so much controversy, (laughs) Vito Corleone. You haven't seen nothing yet. (laughs) I bet we haven't. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm just warming up. (laughs) Okay. It's a good thing. Listen, we we saw the rants that you had during the Eagle season, so we can't wait for the Eagle season to start back up. So we can see it all over again because that's going to be just so much fun. And again, thanks to Goose for reaching out. As always, Goose is at two west two fifty west. Darn it! And I just had it. Help me out there, Ryan. Ridge. Two, west is it Ridge? Pike. Yeah. Ridge. Yep. yep. West Ridge Pike. See, thanks to Fuji, I forgot about. I'm going to blame Fuji for that one. Thank but two fifty West Ridge Pike in Limerick, Pennsylvania. So you guys get a chance to go out there. Please visit the store. It, he has a lot of great cigars, a lot of great vapes. And again, you must be over what, Nick? 21. That's no. right. Are you 21? No. We talked Man. about this. Where have you been? You say every uh, week. I, I just show up. So he doesn't get fined. Exactly. Oh. I'm not only here, so I don't get fined. There's more on that show. Joey will have the last comment here. Joey says, Fuji better stock up, stockpile mineral life for the Eagle season. Going to be a long season. Hey, Joey B, I'm going to be coming your way in, in November. Oh, that's true. I'm yeah, for November to, game. I'm going out to Denver to see you. That is true. So, so makes you- warn the mayor and the whole city, the Philly, Philly and the hell's coming with me as we beat those Broncos. Sounds exciting. He says it with such enthusiasm. Exactly. Listen, everyone. <laughs> Nick, Nick said that was so that was such convincingly <laughs> with enthusiasm. It was beyond comprehension. No, Mayor Nick. <laughs> no, Nick. He's like, what did you say? It, it sounds sounds exciting. Like, yeah, and he and he said it with such conviction. Exactly. 
No. Uh, Joey says he'll be here. Fuji will hook up. And uh, Bill says that Fuji might run out of beer by game three. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Bill, you can buy me a couple kegs. I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot flowing throughout the year. So, hey, listen, you never know. But anyways, thank you to everyone who tuned in tonight and viewed the show. We appreciate it again. Show the share or share the show. Holy moly. Once again, boy, when I was <laughs> talking about backwards, wow. <laughs> That's what you're happens. Having, you're having an off night. It, it, it listen. It happens. It happens. I came to play, but apparently, like Milt said, I, I forgot about the fundamentals. It's just the way it works sometimes. Everyone, please share this show with your friends. Like, subscribe on YouTube. Also, share it out there on BroadStreetSouth.com again. BroadStreetSouth.com. Share it out. We will see everyone next Tuesday night. Everyone enjoy it. Oops, sorry. One more comment before I end the show here. Joey B says, "Great show, guys. Thank you, Joey B. Thank you for tuning in as well as always. And to everyone else." Have a great night. We will see you next Tuesday, 730 with Brad from the Wax Pack. See you then.